Hello, Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. Here is what's to come in this week's edition. <gasps> the nation's favourite, Nigel Havers, zooms in to talk about his new tour, Noel Coward's Private Lives. Elizabeth McGovern, for it is she, joins us to give us an insight into her new play, Ava, The Secret Conversations. And the legendary Mark Rylance speaks to us about his new play called Dr. Semmelweis. That's how you say it, definitely. Uh, which is at the Bristol Old Vic. As well as that, we play the Waitrose Checkout Challenge and hear from Martha, who's finally out of isolation. But before we get our teeth into all of that, let's chat to Maria to solve some more of your Graham's Guide problems. Yes! She's here. Good morning, good morning. (laughs) I'm trying to um, convince myself that I'm very lively because I have a little bit of a hangover. I've even had a tuna melt toasty this morning. I've woken up any appetite before midday. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that does sound lovely. Yeah. Oh, I... I hope Martha's listening and she <laughs> abandons her healthy salmon. <laughs> She's doing something fishy, Martha, Yeah, in what, every sense. Why don't she toast it? <laughs> Put some cheese on it and toast it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, you and I were out last night. We were celebrating my birthday, delayed birthday delayed. because of the bad COVID before Christmas. Much delayed. And it was a very lovely evening. It was because you were a celebrity chef. TV chef, Nigella Lawson, yeah. for It Is Her sort of, you know, scooped together some load of old vegetables and plonked them on our plate. But also, like, properly cooked it. Properly, oh, I know. you know, like, there were no... Because you always kind of think, oh, there's someone out the back, kind of, you know, so when you open the oven, there's someone behind a false wall just shoving it out. Kind of going, thank you very much, here well, it is. To be fair, I think there usually is on television. But no, last night, as you can see from the mess that we left, Graham... I did feel bad as we walked out, but we have to, we've got to entertain the nation. We can yes. stay and wash up. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, But you don't, you are not feeling a little ouchy-headed this morning? No, because I went into it thinking, mustn't feel ouchy-headed tomorrow. Well, you're very, very good. Well, also because I haven't really been drinking. You're not the drinking. Graham I used to know. No, Can I, I know. Say? I used to be so ouchy-heady. Is it because you f- would rather not drink than have the ouchy head now? No, what I didn't want to do, because I, I, I don't know, I've been waking up very early, so I get very tired, and then I have a drink and fall asleep, so I didn't want to fall asleep. Um, at the that dinner. would have been bad at the table. No, but honestly, but I, I would have dug you in the ribs. You Thank know. you. You yeah. are a friend. I do that. You at are the true. You are a true friend. <laughs> and Maria woke him. It was lovely. Yeah, uh, uh, but you did say you're nodding off for the cab on the way home. Yes, but Is you're allowed to. to you're say... allowed to sleep in a cab. Yes, you yeah. are. Um, Graham, I just have to say my top tip for today. Um, because you know January, if anybody affects, is affected by seasonal affective Monday's the worst disorder. This Monday's the this blue, Monday is yeah. the Blue Monday, yeah. and you know January is pretty grim, and you know Christmas has happened, and but I, however much you do not feel like it, my tip is go out in the sort of lightest part of the day, hopefully sunniest part of the day, and look up, look at buildings, look at the things around you. Look up in the park, and if you see people, smile at them. Not like in a... Because they're falling from the sky. (laughs) No, not in a sort of Jack Nicholson uh, as the Joker type of way that makes people run away screaming. But just smile at people, because it has a a massive effect. I tried it on the way to work this morning. Oh, yes. How did that go? Well, the police are waiting for me outside. (laughs) Because it might work in Hastings. I'm not sure in London anyone wants to see anybody smile. Oh, come on. I mean, I'm not saying that you kind of greet them and say, have you heard the word, you know, life is beautiful. (laughs) Hello, trees. Hello, birds. (laughs) But just, you know, there's a shared humanity. I think that's what we're feeling at the moment that we need a bit more of. Yes, and also, why don't you bake a lot of cakes and just give them to people as you walk by? You Shut like- up. 
Just because I am, often my solutions to life's problems are to bake a cake. You um, could do worse, Graham. You could I, do worse. I read a thing this morning that said uh, if you find out the highest grossing film of the year you were born, oh, yes. that will tell you how your year is going to be. What, oh, get it's out. It's going to tell you what your year is what going to be like. What nonsense are you reading? I don't know. So uh, it's on the Twitter sphere. So I thought, oh, I'll do that. I'll yeah, do that. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm game. I, I, what, what's the film? I'm interested to see what my year is going to be like. The film's Cleopatra. What does that tell me about my year? Well, that did very well. Richard Burton, yeah, it was the highest grossing, Taylor. Clearly they all did well because it's the highest grossing film of that year. Right. So, but but it, that doesn't tell me anything about my year, does it? Well, you have to look at the story of Cleopatra and that, how did that end? I'm going to be eaten by a snake. There you are. Okay. Not until December, though. I've I've got it on good authority. <laughs> I must I mustn't go to the zoo. Just keep away from asps. Yes, yeah. <laughs> at all costs. <laughs> and other things beginning with A. Virgin Radio. I've got some problems. Do you want them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like your enthusiasm. I have to say they both are a little bit first world problems this morning. However... That's where we live. You know, <laughs> everything is uh, relative. So, dear Graham and Maria, I am the only woman living in a flat chair with two men. They're pretty tidy and we pitch in for a fortnightly cleaner to avoid any big arguments over cleaning and tidying. So far, so good. I have a problem with one of the guys, though. My bedroom is right by the bathroom and he keeps peeing with the door open. I often have my bedroom door open when, when he does it and it's all I can hear, even if I shut my door. OK. What a healthy stream. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand why he won't close the door. I don't think he washes his hands either. Oh, now we're getting to the nitty-gritty, which I don't like, but I just don't want to have to play music or watch TV just because he needs to use the bathroom. Should I say something? And that is from Lauren in Glasgow. Lauren in Glasgow, the suffragettes didn't, you know kill themselves virtually to get the vote for you not to say something to P-Man <laughs> about his noisy wing. Just, why not? You live with these people. Everything's good. You've got a cleaner. There's not any big issues. You just say to him, oh, you know, Bob, man's name. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't call him Bob if he's not called Bob. No, no. Oh, that no, will that, confuse the issue. Yes, that might. <laughs> Bob, would you mind? I don't like being woken up by Niagara Falls. I've got an alarm clock. Thanks very much. Yeah. Would you mind closing the door? It's kind of, you know, I'm saying it now because I don't want it to turn into a big thing. Um, and would you mind? It's like you should have said it the first time it happened. Yeah, but also, Lauren, why are you la lazing around in your room with the door open? I don't want to see her, so shut your door. You don't live there. No, but I don't want to see her. Yeah, it works both ways, is yeah. what you're saying. Well, yeah. yeah, It cuts both ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, close your door. I mean, you know, privacy, I think, throughout. So if you lead by example, Lauren, yeah. close your door. Don't wee in your bedroom, that would be wrong. Um, <laughs> and ask Bob, that I'm calling him for the moment, to just... Yes, I must say, there must be a kind of a jokey way to say, Oi, shut the door. Yeah. I, well, you know, I do not want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you, you know, rather than let it fester, and she's already written to us about it, mm, um, it's already festering. But perhaps, you know, some men like to think that they're kind of easy about their toiletry habits and I'm leaving the door open because I'm so relaxed about it all. Well, you know, nobody wants to hear uh, how much you had to drink last night, mate, Bob. Well, yes, I mean, it is an odd thing that he thinks that's all right. 
to just be, you know, door wide open, standing there having a wee, when not just Lauren, but there's somebody else there as well. Yeah. Nip it in the bud, Lauren. Preferably the door. Preferably by slamming the door on it. Yeah. No, no, I don't want to hear this. I, I, yes, I, and also it is that thing, isn't it? Whoever you're sharing a flat with, I think you're quite lucky that this is your problem. So do I. That's why I said it's a bit first worldy yeah. because everything's going well. You've done the very adult thing and got a cleaner because that is normally yes. the things that really annoy people. So, but do it quickly because otherwise it's going to make it's going to be huge. At least he doesn't do number twos with the door open. Well, we don't know. No, but it could lead to that unless you <laughs> yes. unless you nip it in the bud. Yes. This is this is how it begins. Then you will have to close your door. <laughs> um, I love the toiletry habits of the nation. Yes, I I I think it's, it is. A, it must be fairly straightforward to say something to the guy. Yeah, you to live be. with them, your mates, your friends. Just say it in a jokier way as possible. And if he doesn't take the hint, you just say it again. Yeah. And then get a soda siphon and... Uh, <laughs> compete with him. <laughs> compete with him or spray him while he's peeing. Uh, my favourite advice today, will be getting a delicious Waitrose New York cheesecake with salted caramel and honeycomb. I mean, I'm just looking at a picture of it. How That looks so good. Uh, if you don't win it, it's currently on offer in Waitrose, a great January savings event. All right. Uh, OK. Uh, Cal and Asher, put a door closer on the door so it shuts automatically. Well, we're done, aren't we? <laughs> that's, that's the end of that problem. <laughs> that's... <laughs> uh, yes, Cal. Yes, you're quite right. If only we'd thought of that. Uh, that would solve the problem entirely. Uh, Paul in Nottingham, you could put a little sign on the wall. When you come to do your peas, be thoughtful and shut the door, please. I made that scan. It doesn't really. But uh, but no, well done, Paul. You wrote a poem. Bed in West London. Well, if anyone, I wonder if Bed has advice for toilet. Let's find out. When he next does it, go stand by the open door and stare at him whilst he does it. That'll freak him out sufficiently, I think. Well, yes, then we'll get a letter from him. <laughs> I've got this flatmate who comes and stares at me when I pee. Dear Lauren, if this is your biggest problem with men, you can consider yourself a happy woman, my dear. I have a friend who sleepwalks and wheeze in the wardrobe. Ergo, keep your door shut. And that's some feisty, no-nonsense advice from Bunty and Cheadle. Uh, well, listen, there's no uh, dispute. It has to, the lovely uh, Waitrose New York cheesecake with salted caramel and honeycomb has to go to Cal in Ayrshire, who solved that problem entirely in just five words. So uh, thank you very much. Graham's Guide. OK, here very, we go. Very, very good. So, problem two, sort of similar in its imports to the last one, but never mind. Or noisy pee. <laughs> no, no. Dear Graham and Maria, I have been back in the office and I thought it would be a good idea to bring my own milk in. Boo! <laughs> Given the ongoing COVID situation, yes. We're all catching it from milk. <laughs> I don't know the stats on that, Graham, I'm afraid. I can neither confirm nor deny. Anyway, I brought... A big four-pint bottle of milk at the beginning of the week. (laughs) What's she doing at work? She's making custard. Wait, and it was gone by Wednesday morning. Four pints of it. (laughs) Evidently, my colleagues have ignored the name written on the side 
and help themselves because I certainly haven't used that much milk. I feel like if I send them all a staff email, (laughs) it will make me seem highly strong. You think? (laughs) But I don't want to let it continue and suddenly be the one providing the office milk, especially as I'm not very senior in the company. Exclamation mark. Any help from you would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. And that is from Phoebe in Wrexham. Phoebe in Wrexham, I'm sorry we laughed. Uh, uh, because these, you know, small problems... Are you? No. Are you really? Small problems become big problems very quickly. I just want... I have some questions, Phoebe in Wrexham. Um, who usually buys the milk? I mean, you know, this milk doesn't just normally appear for people to use willy-nilly despite the name on the side. It sounds like that was your stash of milk for the week. I don't understand. Also, is there something funny about just a big four-pint thing of milk with Phoebe written on the side of it? Yes. (laughs) Funny and also tragic. Nonetheless, (laughs) let's continue. Um, What about a kitty, Phoebe and Wrexham? You know, this has to be addressed. You're not very senior in the company. You could be the one to address it. Say, look, can we have a staff meeting? The milk situation is perilous. We never have enough or we have a glut. Yeah, probably they don't. So can we have a kitty? We all put into the kitty for milk, sugar, whatever the company don't pay for. But there must be some sort of office float for something. <laughs> Just I mean. love you and I both racking our brains for how offices work. I mean, I don't know what Phoebe does, but for instance, if people are coming in for a meeting or something, yes. you've got to rustle up a posh biscuit. You have. And there's got to a be milk. tea. And there's got to be milk in a jug. Now, who pays for that? Where does that come from? Yeah. So Phoebe, I think... First of all, stop buying milk. No one wants you to, and clearly... It's, it's making going to... you resentful, Phoebe. Yes, and also I think you overdid it with the four pints. I mean, that would have gone off by the time you'd finished it. So it's they were gone doing by a... Wednesday, Graham. They were, well, they were doing her a favour. You do the maths. They were like, Phoebe, Phoebe this will go sour if Phoebe People just... were bringing their cornflakes in. <laughs> Got to use this milk up before it goes off. <laughs> they, were, they were decanting it into smaller containers and bringing it Taking home. Taking it home. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Phoebe bought four pints of milk. Um, yeah, so stop buying milk, Phoebe. Find out where milk comes from it's from cows but uh, find out how it might get paid for and and then yes. and just say look I don't mind buying the milk I don't mind I'm on my way in I'll buy a pint of milk uh, but can we sort out the money because I don't want to be responsible and because nobody likes somebody in the fridge putting their name in felt pen either no. in magic marker that is something that is the reserve of students and do not send an all staff email either do not do that and find out who's in charge of the, of the coffee and tea facilities. Yes. You know, if there's a meeting, who provides that stuff? And then find out, go to them and say, look, I, is there a float for the kitchen? Because I bought all this milk and now it's all gone. I don't mind buying it, but I don't really want to pay for everyone's milk. Yeah. And also, Phoebe in Wrexham, put that milk scenario in a little coffee-shaped balloon and let it go. Because, again, little tiny things, especially at the moment when we're all so highly strung, don't worry about Mm. that, Phoebe and Wrexham, we're all feeling very highly strung and on the edge of a precipice permanently. You have to not sweat the small stuff. And this, however many pints you bought, is still the small stuff. And also, who pays for the stuff you put the milk in? Like, who pays for the coffee? Who pays for the tea? Oh, Graham is now becoming very interested. Well, it just makes no sense, Phoebe, that you suddenly, what? No one... Was there no milk? Was there no milk before she brought in the milk? Clearly, there must have been. (laughs) Or why don't you all just go back to drinking black tea, black coffee, problem solved. There you go. Yeah, I think so too. This is one of the more interesting problems we've ever had. Are you, are you being facetious? <laughs> no, for weirdly, I feel very emotionally invested in it. 
<laughs> I just love that my visual in my imagination. I can just really see the four pint thing. You know, I with, can too. With Phoebe but also, on the side of it. I have a great urge to to know how this pans out, so to speak. Yeah, and also, you know, Phoebe, I have a funny feeling. No one used that milk. They just poured it down the sink to annoy to, you. Just to annoy you. There's no use crying over spilt milk, <laughs> Phoebe in Wrexham. <laughs> Sort it out, Phoebe. <laughs> sort it out. Because if you want to progress in this company, in this multiple tea and coffee drinking company, you've got to take the reins here and say, there's a problem. I know how to resolve it. I can resolve it. Can you sign off on this milk bill for £400 a week? Thank you yes. very much. I've bought the office a cow. <laughs> Is that OK? It's in Africa. <laughs> We've sponsored it for the village. All right. Let's see. Oh, by the way, uh, my favourite advice we'll be getting, that Waitrose New York cheesecake with salted caramel. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can get it on offer in Waitrose's great January savings event. It looks delicious. So Tracy is a HR director. Tracy will know. Take in a smaller bottle of milk and write breast milk on the side. Now, that is a good idea. That, In a way that Phoebe encouraged them to use it, breast milk, yeah, (laughs) Unlikely they will touch it. Uh, Alternatively, do the office kitty. Uh, I like that idea. Lewis is in Clapham. Phoebe, power move. Buy a mini fridge and put it on your desk. (laughs) That's such a good idea. With a lock on it. Uh, In one of those little um, uh, caravan fridges. Yeah, good idea. Uh, John is in Staley Bridge. I lived in a house share before with endless milk thieves. One trick solved it all. Now, this is going to be great. Here we go. One trick solved it all. Oh, this is good. I've read ahead. This is good. It's clever. Put green food colouring in it. (laughs) People will think it's so off and won't drink it. And the food colouring has no taste, so won't ruin your tea. Alternatively, realise it costs around one fifty, and it for that you make everyone else's lives easier. Wait, I like your idea of putting the green food colouring in. It's good. Uh, Nick is in West uh, Malling. At work, I used to write on a post-it, please don't drink this milk. I've mixed my medicine into it. Uh, if you have used it, contact me urgently. Yeah. Uh, and Andrea Nickenshire, I think she needs to keep her four pinter at home and just keep refilling an out of date one pint bottle. Oh, that's a get. But who reads that? Because you smell it, don't you? The date isn't going to really do anything. Um, lots of good advice there. I'm torn uh, as to who I'll give the, um, the, the, the lovely cheesecake to. I'm going to give it to uh, Lewis because I love the idea of buying a mini fridge. <laughs> Because it's such an over-solution to something that wasn't really a problem at all. Uh, congratulations uh, to you, Lewis. You get the waitress New York cheesecake with salted caramel and honeycomb. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. There is a new tour of Noel Coward's Private Lives. It kicks off on the 7th of January and goes right through till April the 23rd. And it stars my first guest of the day, Nigel Havers. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. I'm very good. How are you? I'm all the better for talking to you. Um, I read, I think, is, this can't be true that this is the first Noel Coward play you've done. It's completely true. I've, I've, I've been asked to do it a few times and I've, I've unfortunately never been free. And so the, in any way I could do it was to form a company myself. 
and do it myself. So there we are. No, because I kept reading. I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's perfect that Nigel Havers yeah. is doing Noel Coward. Is it, is, is it everything you'd hoped it be? Because uh, you seem like such a great fit for Noel Coward. So is, is it what you thought it would be? It, it is what I thought it would be. Multiplied by 100 times more difficult. Oh, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> which, which is because it's very, very precise. And um, Noel Coward has a style of writing that you really do have to learn it absolutely exactly and to, to get the timing and, and, and the language perfect. And it's been a real challenge, and I've really enjoyed it, but it's been a real challenge. And, of course, you have teamed yourself up with just the perfect partner, uh, Patricia Hodge. Oh. Hey, uh, now, you... that, was, that was one of the reasons for doing it, actually. And... Because I've worked with her several times, and she is quite something. So if people, are, are, you know, this play is 90-something years old, but if they have been hiding under a rock, uh, so who do you play? Tell us what, uh, uh, sort of the, the premise for the play. Well, this is a play that he claims to have written over a weekend. So he must have had the idea uh, for a, a while, and I wonder whether he got it from real life. Anyway, um, there's, there, there, there's a couple who have just recently married, which is me and, and Elliot and his new wife, Sybil, on honeymoon, staying in a hotel in Deauville, and they're very excited, the first night of their honeymoon. And next door, also on honeymoon, is his ex-wife with her new husband. <laughs> and it's a brilliant concept. And um, they realise that they still love each other, and they elope, leaving their two... I mean, it's a disgraceful thing to do, really, but... You know, there's comedy and tragedy all thrown together. And I was talking to um, Denzel Washington. He, he's playing Macbeth, and he was talking about what it was like playing Macbeth as an older man. Uh, yeah. What do you think this brings to private lives that you and Patricia are kind of, you know, older than the traditional casting for these roles? Well, it's a brilliant question, Graham, because that's the crux of it. I think it's works so much better because we're, there's so much in, more invested in the relationship. And instead of being 30 and, and having, a you know, married and then divorced quite young and then, I mean, it doesn't carry so much gravitas. This has much more going for it. And, you know, people have come to see it. They don't mention the fact that we're much older than, than the, the original casting. I mean, it's no, it doesn't cross their mind. So... You know, we could say we've got away with it. No, but also, <laughs> I guess it raises the stakes because that idea of grabbing that chance of happiness, it makes more sense if you're older, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, the idea of, of divorcing and then remarrying someone much younger, you know, is, is, it happens all over the place, doesn't it? But what's amazing is, because I haven't seen this production, but I've seen revivals, you know, not that long ago, and it is still such a funny play. You can't imagine that jokes that are 92 years old are still going to be that funny. What is it about it that you think makes it live and... Because and, it's not it's not a museum piece. It's not one of those things. No. It's, it's vital and it's funny right now. It just goes to show that Mr Coward was a, a, a genius. Because it must have been, as you said, 90-odd years ago, it must have been the most modern dialogue ever on stage of the, of, of the time. And, and there are no long speeches in it. It's just crackling dialogue. And the fact that we, well, one second, we, we love each other desperately. And within a second, we're screaming and trying to kill each other. It's sort of, <laughs> that's the comedy in it, really. And what are those like? Because the, the, I mean, the, when you get to Paris and you're in the flat in Paris and the big fights are going yeah. on, I mean, that's quite yeah. physical. Is that, I mean, is that taxing? Or have you kind of choreographed it very carefully? Very carefully? No, no, we, <laughs> no, no, we go at each other hammer and top. <laughs> You just have a really good crack at each other. And no, uh, no, you're right, it is quite tiring to do, but um, 
it's just so rewarding. It's just such a wonderful play to be in. I can't tell you. And I know you you already did it. So this is kind of picking up post COVID on the seventeenth of yeah. January. Where where are you starting in the seventh on the seventeenth? We're going to the Marlowe Theatre, Canterbury, which lovely. is lovely. My, my brother lives uh, sort of five minutes away, so I'm going to be staying with my dear brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect. And what's it like being the producer of this? Is that kind of are, are you actually having to do that, or are there kind of minions, uh, kind of you know, well, in an office there, there, doing things? There are no minions. There are no, no minions. All friends. But uh, I have my old friend David Pugh. And Danny Moore um, also producing with me, so they they take all that flack, really. Oh, good. So you you, you can just concentrate on the the laughs and the love. Yes, <laughs> you, exactly. You just take yes. you, you just take the ovations. Thank you very much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nigel, is it true that before uh, acting came along, you you released a record? I did. <laughs> and when, mind you, in the sixties, if you didn't release a record, something was wrong. Everyone <laughs> doing it. <laughs> And, and my brother and I, you know, we were in this band and we wrote this song and we went to CBS and they they agreed to allow us to make a record and we made it. And um, we sold 1,200 copies. Is that a lot? I don't know. It seems like a lot, yeah. And what a different life you could have had. I mean, yeah. were you like styled like a pop group or was it, was it... No, we were like Peter and Gordon. So jumpers, very jumpers. Yes. <laughs> jumpers and guitars, yeah. But it was and, fun. I tell you, it was great fun to do, I have to say. It was, I loved it. And then how did the acting happen after that? Well, I mean, I, 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 that's what I wanted to do. This was just something we did in, in the holidays, really. And uh, I got a job with, in 1969 with a company called Prospect Theatre. And in uh, Richard II, uh, Shakespeare's, and Christopher Marlowe's Edward II. And the star of the show was Ian McKellen. Oh, wow. Yeah. And... Uh, I was the soldier, or you know, I was you know second um, sword carrier, whatever you want to say. And um, you're you're one of those actors who seems to have worked consistently. Have you ever had one of those? Have you ever had one of those horrible dry spells, or have you just always had a job? Well, you know, the secret of it is never to turn anything down. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I remember working with Michael Caine years ago, and he said, "I've never turned anything down in my life." <laughs> And, you know, it, it's quite a good way because the thing is, you've got to learn. You know, you kick off a career and you don't really know how to do it. So it's best to do as much as you can because every job you get, you learn a bit more. And, you know, to be honest, I'm still learning. Well, it's weird that at this stage you're doing your first ever Noel Coward play. I mean, I can't yeah. get over that. Yeah, and, you know, the the, the curve of... Uh, the, well, I've learned a hell of a lot from just doing this play. Um, yeah. Uh, and so it's just, that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it something that you can do forever. And then, of course, you have had great success in at the Palladium. Were you part of Pantoland this year? Yeah. I mean, uh, wow, this is our sixth year. And there's a sort of, you know, four musketeers. There's me and Julian Clary and Gary Wilmot and Paul Zerd. And we do it every year. And this year we had Donny Osmond uh, as our guest. Oh, what a guy. What a fan fantastic bloke he is just amazing he is i must say i really like he's one of the good people isn't he he's great he, he really is one of you're quite right one of the good people he never always up always you know fun to be with and uh just imagine he's never had a drink in his life of course he hasn't yes <laughs> no. 
Oh, yeah. He's got the beautiful singing voice. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm not sure it's worth it, Nigel. <laughs> I know do I. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this. I remember one of the last times I spoke to you, you uh, you told me about your uh, idling cars thing. Are yes. you st- do you still do the idling cars thing as you walk along? I do. Every day, all day. <laughs> I get the most extraordinary reaction because some people are not very kind to me. Other people completely say, oh, I'm so sorry, quite turn it off. But, you know, I, the fact is that if everyone stopped idling their cars in London, just London, it would cut pollution by 50% overnight. Man on a mission, Nigel Havers. It's, yeah, a, it's a, I mean, that is an amazing statistic. That's incredible. I know. And I, so many people sit in their cars with the, with the engine running, especially in the winter because they want to keep warm. And it's one of those things, once you mentioned it to me, I now see it all the time. Every time yeah. I see, you know, particularly in winter, you can see the, you know, the exhaust fumes yeah. up in the air. I think of you. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I, oh, Nigel wouldn't be happy. <laughs> He'd be livid. He'd be livid. <laughs> I, I, t- I tap on the window and say, excuse me, do you mind turning your engine off? And, I mean, it is extraordinary, re- the re- some of the reactions I get. I, uh, I, you know, I can't say that half the time, but other people are great, as I said. They're fantastic. They understand. But also people must be quite shocked that it's Nigel Avers is tapping on their window. Yes. yes. <laughs> now they I'm jump. in trouble. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Private Lives, Noel Coward's Private Lives, uh, starring Nigel Avers and Patricia Hodge. I mean, need I say more? Tickets sold right there. Or, I mean, those three names together. What an amazing night out. Uh, 17th of January until the April 23rd. If you're looking for tickets and information, britishtheatre.com slash private lives tour. Uh, Nigel, enjoy the rest of your Saturday, your weekend, and your bit of a break, and uh, enjoy the tour. Thank you so much Love for joining you. us. Lovely to see you, Graham. Best All right. Of luck. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye bye, bye. 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 The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Second guest of the day alert. It's Elizabeth McGovern. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. Very good. Now, um, uh, so you're, uh, you know, obviously everyone knows you from Downton. Da, 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 blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, blah, and all of that. But now you are being go and see you in the flesh at the Riverside Theatre here in London. And we were just saying how that's a beautiful new development. Oh, yeah. Please come and check it out. It's right on the water. There's great food. Uh, it's, it's it's just a wonderful atmosphere. And so you, we want to get Elizabeth, it all going. you. <laughs> They're going to oh, see yeah. you. Yeah, They're not going too. for the food. That They're too. going to that see too. you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is uh, Ava Gardner, uh, Ava The Secret Conversations. And this is, am I right, it's based on a book. Correct. The book is Conversations with Ava, and it's a book about a biographer trying to write a biography, as opposed to a biography, if that makes any sense. So uh, that seemed like a wonderful way into exploring somebody's life to me, is to have the guy who's trying to get the story from the woman and often failing. And in fact, he never did manage to write and publish Ava Gardner's biography. But along the way, they had this very intense year that they spent in each other's company. And it's kind of my fantasy of what might have happened through the course of that year. And it's a way of looking at what is a biography, you know. Um, it's the stories you choose to tell, isn't yeah. it? Uh, so um, that was the starting point. And am I right that these conversations took place in London? 
They took place in London, yes, not far from the Riverside Studios. So it's all a very small world. In fact, there's so many people that knew Ava or knew Peter Evans, who was the biographer, and they and I chance upon them all the time. It's it's really fun. Well, it must be so strange because because it is within a generation. There are lots of people who exactly, will be connected to that. Exactly, and it's wonderful to go back to that generation. We have loads of clips of her movies, and it's it's all very beautiful. But the world has changed so much. The mu- the movie business has changed so much. And, and you're really aware of that when you're watching the play. Um, and, and it's kind of poignant, actually. And it must have been very difficult for her because the world was changing around her. She She kind of outlived the Hollywood she was a part of. Well, don't we all, darling? <laughs> don't we all? I mean, that is, of course, one of the... Uh, Things that is explored in her life is, you know, where do you go from the top? <laughs> and and but also it involves her her husbands, her men. Oh, in, yeah, indeed. And they are a mixed bag. She didn't have a type. <laughs> no, no, except for they were all incredibly charismatic, talented, interesting people. So uh, the the idea that I had for the show is that. This biographer comes in, in an effort to get the stories out of her. And because she herself wants to explore these past relationships that she's had, she projects onto the biographer her past and he becomes these men in her past, in her presence. So he is introduced as the most uncharismatic guy you've ever met. And then because of the force of their mutual imaginations, he becomes three of the most charismatic people probably that ever lived. And they have this kind of magic adventure together. So So Mickey Rooney and Frank Sinatra, obviously we all know, uh, Artie Shaw, the, Mm. the middle, who was he? Oh, oh. I mean, in some ways, he's the most fascinating of all of them. He was an absolutely brilliant clarinet player who at the age of 39 put down his instrument and literally never picked it up again and he was a incredibly good looking very very bright guy um very single-minded uh, as you can imagine and well you'll see come to the show you'll find and, out about Artie Shah and the this idea of Hollywood what was Hollywood what was the Hollywood that you met when you were a, a you know a very young actress and you had the uh, now, of course, I'm mad. Mary Tyler Moore. Thing, um, the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ordinary people. Ordinary think, people. Yeah, I yeah. love that film. Oh, good. Um, so what was it? What was Hollywood like then when you were going to the Oscars and all that? Was there any crossover? Were, were there any of those old big stars still around? Uh, well, it's interesting you should ask because I feel like I've given myself license to draw from my own experiences and channel them through Ava and Ava's story because I don't think that the Hollywood changed all that drastically. I mean, when I was young and in Hollywood, there wasn't the studio system in the same way, but the rules still applied. So um, if you come to the show, you'll see it's, it, it, it is a, it, it's a macho world that, it's, that is depicted and, it, and it's a world in which uh, women are are blatantly objectified and blown up, and it takes a toll on someone's life. Yeah, you know that's inevitable, and and of course it's a wonderful thing in many ways. And I think at the end of her life, she is processing all of it and trying to come to terms with the toll it took and whether or not it was all 
worth it and all these kind of things are explored but mostly it's entertaining because she was just such a fun character it starts at the Riverside Theatre on a Tuesday the 18th of January and it runs right through to the 16th of April and if you're looking for tickets and dates and information you go to avagardnerplay.com all one word avagardnerplay.com and um, and we should say also it, it, people are confused Riverside Studios if you know where that is that's where the Riverside Theatre is Correct. It's yeah. it's basically take the tube to Hammersmith and, uh, and walk <laughs> toward the, the river and follow uh, yeah. the crowds. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. <laughs> Thank you. Because uh, this is your first time uh, on stage since the Starry Messenger. Correct. Uh, yeah. That was wonderful. Oh, I love. Did you think yeah. so? Honestly, thank you. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm very buzzy about this one. I mean, maybe because no one's seen it and told me it's crap. <laughs> I think it's. I mean, I if it's. I, you know, could it be the best thing I've ever seen? I that's where I'm at right now. Oh, that's just, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, well, that's good. Well, we're, yeah, it's it is good. But right now, it's all. I mean, it's been so beautifully directed by Gabby Delal, and there's this other guy in it who's fantastic, um, Anatol Youssef, and 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 the imagery. Uh, we we decided to try to use cinematic language in the theater because it's a story about movies. So uh, we use a lot of imagery. We use a lot of sound, movie sound, movie uh, music. And it just, it just seems to be working right now. Uh, so uh, the other thing everyone wants to know is uh, Downton Abbey. Uh, is it done, done now? Or is there more to come? What's the story? Downton Abbey's done. Done, done. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, they always tweak little things yeah. in, the, in the mix. But um, it is done. Yeah. But it and but at the end of this film, do we think, all right, we're never going to see these people again? Or is is the is the door still open? Are the doors to the manor still open? Are the abbeys? Well, open? I think the doors are always open. <laughs> do you know what I'm if saying? A large enough wheelbarrow yeah. cash is dumped yeah. on the on the doorstep. Yeah. Oh, good. And so, when will it actually be in cinemas and things? March. Oh, okay. So, yeah. also, it's 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 imminent. Yeah, I mean, it might be playing at the Riverside at the same time that I'm on stage just sweating my of course because uh, there's a cinema there as well yeah yeah so <laughs> if you if you want me yeah go to the riverside you could do a matinee of downtown abbey oh, and, then, and then go and see a yeah Ava exactly uh, uh, the mind and, boggles <laughs> and how did you find the book or, or were you always interested in Ava Gardner just as, as a as no a, you a know character? it was sitting on my shelf it was just a book that I had probably for months or years, I, I I didn't realize I had it, and I um, started leafing through it one day. And you thought, ooh, and I, I thought, ooh, yeah, yeah. And also, is it about the age you are, where you kind of thought, oh, actually, well, I, yeah. I could do this? Yeah, that that's true. I mean, um, it, it just happened to be the right time as I um, as the big six O was encroaching. So, yeah. yeah. But as we we were just talking while the record was on, as people heard, <laughs> oh, we, was, we was well. No, we were did I say still, anything well, else? No, no, no. We were. <laughs> we just that we were still talking when the record stopped. Uh, but that idea of you know parts for women and you know yeah. Eva Gardner was in that heyday where there were amazing roles for because we kind yeah. of think things got have got better for actors, female actors, but they haven't really, have they? Mm, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that they have. I mean, they also there there aren't the movies like they were in those days um the the it's it's gone as a as an idea the movie business has changed so drastically and the those big 
beautiful movies with wonderful characters and fantastic storytelling. Uh, it, it's just not what movies are anymore. So there's something poignant about that. I mean, because the, the, the play is partly in love with all those movies and partly very critical of the system that made them. And where did Ava Gardner end her days? Did she end her days here? She did. She was in Ennismore Gardens in London. Wow. Right yeah. till the very end. Yeah, right till the end. I think that she finally... No, no, I think she did die here and then she's buried in North Carolina where she grew up. Oh, okay. She's, yeah. She's done her research, ladies and gentlemen. She's done her research. Uh, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth McGovern stars as Ava in Ava, The Secret Conversations. It's at the Riverside Theatre from the 18th of January until the 16th of April. If you want tickets and information, you just go to avagardnerplay, all one word, dot com. Elizabeth McGovern, thank you so much for coming oh, to see Oh, it's always such a pleasure. Uh, go fly. It, Explore London. Yeah, okay. Have a lovely time and have a great run. Thank <laughs> yeah, you very thank much. You. Still to come, Mark Rylance tells us all about his new play, Dr. Samelweis. Plus, it's the return of the Waitrose Checkout Challenge and we'll be hearing what she got up to in her return to the Virgin Radio Kitchens for the first time this year with Martha. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. It is guest time. Uh, this man was the first artistic director of Shakespeare's Globe between 95 and 2005, concurrently be seen in Netflix's Don't Look Up, but this ter- Thursday returns to his first love. That is the theatre, the Bristol Old Vic, uh, where he's going to star in Dr. Simmelweis. His name is Mark Rylance. Am I saying that right, Mark Rylance? Yeah, you are absolutely oh, right, Graham. You always do. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. You, you obviously never heard me doing Eurovision, where I I, I murder several several people's names. Uh, right. So th- this is so this was your idea, but then you took it to other people to turn it into a play. Am I right? Uh, I was very nicely approached by the director of Bristol Old Vic, Tom Morris, who asked me if there were stories that I were was interested in telling. And that was about four or five years ago. And we started to work on it then, yeah. And how, how did it, because I'd never heard of Dr. Semmelweis, but it, it is an amazing story. Uh, so you'd read, was it a biography or an article? How did, you, how did you discover him and his story? Yeah, there's an extraordinary little book by a man called Celine, who was a surrealist. Later on, he, had, he, he developed some rather bad ideas. But in the early part of his life, he, he was a doctor and... He turned his thesis, his doctorate thesis, into a little novel, which is one of the most angry books you can ever read, called Dr. Semmelweis or Semmelweis. And, it, and it's, a very, um, it's a very extraordinary account of the life of Semmelweis. And I'd read this little book and thought, well, there's something quite wonderful here that I'd never heard about and I thought people would be interested in. It is amazing the way these things can just slip through the net of history, where such a kind of extraordinary story gets uh, gets forgotten. So tell people, it's 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 the kind of mid nineteenth century in Vienna. Women are dying. Is it post childbirth they're dying? Is that what childbed fever was? Yeah, he makes. He's a Hungarian in the Austrian Hungarian Empire. So there, there's a complex relationship there, a bit like the relationship between England and Ireland, you know. Um, if you go back particularly to the 40s and 50s and think how the Irish were looked down upon in some ways uh, in England. And so he he's put at the... Uh, he wants to work with these extraordinary doctors in the Vienna General Hospital who are making great advances in medicinal science through autopsy. For the first time, they're cutting... The, the dead bodies open and finding out the inner causes of things. But, but he's put at the um, 
admissions gate to the two free maternity wards in the hospital for, for poor women who can't afford a private room. And they get free care if they don't mind the student doctors and the student midwives uh, helping them with their delivery. And what he notices there, and this is his great skill as he notices things, is that the women, they're terrified of going in the doctor's ward, the student doctors. They just want to go in the midwife's ward. And he looks more deeply and sees that they're right to be terrified, that many more are dying in the doctor's ward, uh, both uh, the, the mother dying and also the child dying. And he discovers why. But the story, what's, that's one very interesting part of the story. The other part of it that's interesting is, even though this could save tens of thousands arguably hundreds of thousands of people, his discovery, it's rejected by all the, all the, all the doctors of Europe for 40 years. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a story that interests me. Why, why are great advances made? How are they made? And then why does it take so long sometimes for them to be accepted? And, I get, um, and it comes down to it, who, who's saying it, <laughs> if you want to listen to them or not? Well, exactly. And, so, and exactly, Graham. And sometimes the people who make difficult discoveries, in this case, the discovery that implies that all the doctors up to that date had been killing people unwittingly, but they had been killing people. He, 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 he was a sharp knife in the cutlery drawer, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And you need a sharp knife, knife to cut through a tough piece of meat. But you, a sharp knife won't help you swallow it, will it? It won't help you put it in your mouth. You need spoons and forks, uh, so to speak, in the office as well as those people that cut through. And he got so upset, Semmelweis, it seems, with, with the, uh, what he thought to be stupidity, that he, he, he spoke very angrily and offended people. And so it's, 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 a, it's a story about how we need difficult pioneers and we need that to help them express things sometimes. And tell me this, on Thursday night, uh, when people go to the Bristol Vic, what are they seeing? Is it a, is it a one-man show or is it a fully staged play? How does it, how does it um, realise itself on stage? Oh, you're a great interviewer, Graham. You give me all the right prompts. Oh, good. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's not a one-man show. I will play Semmelweis myself. Um, uh, but but I, while we were working on it, I went to the ballet and saw Swan Lake, and I was so taken by um, the the core, the ballet, all, all those wonderful women dancing. It, you can see them in Giselle too. And and uh, Semmelweis says that one of the things he says is that he's haunted by all these women that he couldn't save. And so I spoke to Tom about us including ballet in the story uh, as an expression of the presence of all these really voiceless women. And that's one of the reasons that uh, this thing wasn't solved earlier is that the, the people who were suffering were the poor women um, who didn't really have a voice at that time. So there's ballet in it. And then there's also the, 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 the ghosts of the women are expressed by a fantastic quartet because we came upon the beautiful Death and the Maiden quartet by Schubert. And so that music is used throughout uh, the production uh, with, with the dancing as a constant presence in his mind, at least, of 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 what uh, of the people who are suffering because he can't get people to understand what he's discovered. Mark, I mentioned Don't Look Up, and you're you know you, you are in films now because you seem to resist films for a long time. Did you have a bad experience early doors in film, or did you just resist them because you kind of thought I'm not going to like that? That's a good question. I don't think I was really ready. Graham, I made I made some films in my twenties, but I, I I wasn't really that good at it. I don't think, uh, and and uh, 
it took me a little while, but I also really loved the, the theater. And I was often just very, very busy in the theater to some degree too. Um, but yeah, late, late, lately, lately, I, I've, I've become more um, sought after in films and it's very enjoyable, of course, to, to be in a film like Don't Look Up with, with the wonderful Adam McKay uh, directing it because he, he lets us do a lot of improvisation, you know, so it's quite, um, it's quite theatrical in a way. And is it to do with, because I always think, you know, obviously I love films. I love going to see films. I, I really enjoy them. But any experience I've had a film is so mind-numbingly boring. Um, and I just, is that, because at least in the, in the theatre, you're either rehearsing or you're doing it. You're not, there isn't endless days of sitting around picking your nose and looking at a window. Uh, is, that one, is that one of the reasons why theatre is your first love? I think Jack Nicholson says, doesn't he, that they don't pay you to act in films, they pay you to wait. And <laughs> there is a lot of waiting. And with COVID, you know, you're waiting even longer on your own to not allow to even go and, you know, talk to other people. Um, yeah, I mean, film actors, some film actors, of course, find theatre very boring because you have to repeat, uh, they feel, every night the same thing. And some old-fashioned theatre directors do try and make you do the same thing, but I never do the same thing. The audience is never the same. And who wants to be served, you, you know, something that was cooked yesterday is being reheated. You just have to get yourself in a mindset. I'm sure it's the same for you with your radio shows and your TV shows, that you, you treat each one as a new one. Are you? Do you ever get bored or feel <laughs> you're looking? No, at me Mark. No. <laughs> How dare you? It's always fresh. Um, no, yeah, you always seem fresh. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's interesting you say that because, of course, now you are after Bristol. You're coming into town. You're doing Rooster again in Jerusalem at the Apollo Theatre, and I wondered, with with that, is this is this the third time you've you've done that role? Well, no, no, it. It lasted over two or three years. We did it at the Royal Court, then in the West End at the Apollo Theatre. Then we went to Broadway and then we came back to the Apollo Theatre. So about the, the nine original members of the cast did 420 performances over those years. Wow. And coming yeah. back to it this time, I know you're not just reheating it, but is there a sense <laughs> that you you are trying to recreate something that people saw then or is it a is it a, a newly imagined thing? How does it work coming back to a role after those years? I I have come back to roles, other roles. I played Hamlet first at 16 in school and then from 28 to 31 and then, you know, lucky me at 40 as well. Um, and and it, it, it always changes. The times change. So much has happened since 2009 when Jerusalem first, first created. So it, it's going to be different because the audience is going to have a different, it'll resonate differently. The, the tuning of the time is different now. Um, and that'll be different for the four or five of us who are returning. The older members of the cast can return. It's just the younger members of the cast, sadly, who need to be um, replaced because they've grown up. They're aged um, out. <laughs> they're aged out. They're yeah. too old for him. Yeah. But also, it will be interesting that Rooster will be an older man now. You know, it's not. You, you know. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, and Mackenzie Crook is returning to play Ginger, uh, Rooster's great friend. We're both older. But I look back. I, I look back to um, you, you know, um, Ellen Terry and Keane and Garrick and actors before they were recorded, filmed mediums, and when they hit a lucky story for themselves like I did with Jerusalem or 
say like Jimmy Stewart did with It's a Wonderful Life, if that wasn't a film but a play, he would have revived it every Christmas or every few years. And that's what actors used to do in the past. So I hope to be able to re revive Jerusalem every 10 years and, you know, until I can't remember anything. Can't don't remember don't quit am. the hit. That's what they say. So don't, don't quit the don't hit. Don't quit the hit. <laughs> is, that what's, is that what's guided your career, Graham? Well, it was Dale Winton told me that years ago, Don't Quit the Hit. And um, I, I must say, I think it's quite wise. If you if you're lucky enough to stumble upon a success, don't walk don't walk away from it. Uh, hang on to it, I'd say. So uh, good yeah. luck to you uh, with Jerusalem. Uh, that's the Apollo, and that's from the 16th of April. And you can go to JerusalemThePlay.co.uk for tickets for that. But let's just remind people, uh, Doctor Semmelweis, Bristol Olvik. It's a short run. It's just this Thursday until February the 12th. Uh, you can get tickets at BristolOlvik.org.uk, and it's a fascinating story. I mean, I just well earlier today, I just kind of Googled him and just the, the Wikipedia page makes you think, I, I want to see that play. It's an amazing oh, story. There's some good laughs in it too. It's quite serious, but there's some good laughs. And I think we might extend, Graham, so don't give up if, uh, if the tickets are all sold. Thanks. Excellent. Good, good plug work there, Mr. Rylance. We're very good. <laughs> We're both at the top of our game here. We're both at the top of our game. <laughs> lovely, lovely, lovely to talk to you. Take care and uh, good luck on Thursday. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye, Mark. Cheers. Bye, bye-bye. She's back. Martha's here to tell us what she's been cooking on our first week back in 2022. How are <laughs> you? We were worried about you. Oh, that's very kind of you. No, I am fine, thank you. I've had my 10 days of rest and now I am recovered. <laughs> did you get it, like, did it hit you bad or was it just quite mild? It was uh, kind of middle, not terrible, but I was hoping to be uh, asymptomatic and that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> no. But some needed New Year's rest, so can't really complain. <laughs> but yes, exactly. It was, a, in terms of timing, quite good timing to get it now. Yeah. And it now it's out of the way. <laughs> yeah. It's gone. I'm invincible now. You're superwoman. Yeah. Just, you know, licking things in Waitrose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch out. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, so you're starting us off with, uh, now it looks, I'm just peering across the desk at the trolley I mean it looks delicious but I'm being told it's healthy it is it's very colourful it's a nice colourful start to the new year I feel like everyone gets healthy eating shoved down their throats a little bit at new year but we do all feel like something a bit fresher something a bit lighter and this is a nice kind of mid-range it's not a salad it's not kind of just really extra crunchy celery and <laughs> leaves yeah. it's got a bit of substance to it it is a black garlic and soy salmon bowl Mm. Lots of fresh veggies on there. Nice piece of salmon. And mm. um, what is what is how is black garlic just a type of garlic, or have they done something to the garlic to make it black? So they've done something to it. They have slow cooked the garlic. So you can buy this as a cook's ingredients in Waitrose. It's already done. You don't have to blacken the garlic yourself. Oh. Um, but yeah, they take garlic and then for about six weeks they kind of slowly roast it. For really six weeks, slow. I think six weeks. I don't know how long the Waitrose one do, but I mean, some people. The timer on my oven doesn't go to that. <laughs> do it. It's like low and slow, and it means what happens with the cloves is the sugars in them start to caramelise. So it has this really lovely kind of tangy, almost vinegary, treacly flavour that is quite difficult to achieve yourself. So it's a really nice ingredient. Oh, lovely! So black garlic, soy salmon, and what? What's in the? Is it salad underneath, or what's underneath the? The, the so stars of the show. We've got quinoa and edamame beans <gasps> at the base. <laughs> Love All them. All the fancy words today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is the kind of the majority of the base. Then we've got some really quick pickled cucumber on the top, a little bit of red cabbage, and then this lovely salmon fillet that we've glazed with this black garlic and soy dressing. All right, tell you what, uh, let me wolf it down and then you can tell us exactly how to make it. Mmm, okay, fork in hand. Uh, that food... 
is so up my strasser there, Martha. It is so good. So this is the black garlic and soy salmon bowls. So the easy bit is really you just get you buy a pouch of quinoa. You didn't make that quinoa, did I you? I did cook the quinoa. Did you? Yeah. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you can, of course, buy it ready cooked in a pouch. But yeah. actually, it only takes 50. If you can cook rice, you can cook quinoa. It's or you could actually... just microwave it. Two minutes, two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Tear the pouch, two centimetres, and then you're done. Yeah. And then did you buy, you bought the uh, endabami? Yes, frozen edamame beans. They're mm. already podded for you, so you haven't got to faff around with getting those all out, which is quite nice. Right. So you mix all that up, that's at the bottom. And that, is that undressed, the quinoa and the... It is actually, yeah. This yeah. unseasoned. You put a little bit of the um, leftover salmon glaze just over the top of it, but there's nothing mixed through it. It's just quite nice and simple. You've yeah, got a lot gorgeous. of big flavours on top, so you want a nice kind of so the big, solid. So the big flavours on top is kind of, let's break it into three. So there's the cucumber. What do you do to the cucumber? Yeah, so we've got cucumber, and it's kind of been quickly pickled. So you want to take a mixture of Chinese rice vinegar. This is a little bit sweeter than your average kind of cider vinegar, so it's not too aggressive. Um, and then a little bit of maple syrup mm. um, and some salt, and that just... Just those three ingredients goes onto your cucumber and you leave it for about 15 minutes. So it doesn't have to be left for very long and it will just start to absorb and make it a little bit more interesting than just regular cucumber. Yeah, no, it really it really cuts through. And then on the other side, you've got the red cabbage uh, extravaganza. Mm. Uh, what's that? So then you, for that, you want to take raw red cabbage. That's kind of the good thing about a lot of January food is instead of having to cook all these vegetables, everything's raw because you get more vitamins, more nutrients mm. that way. So raw red cabbage, you pour in some of the cucumber pickling liquor. So you haven't got to make it again. You just pour it in a little bit of toasted sesame oil, which has a really nice flavour. Yeah, that really like, comes through. Yeah, yeah, really nice and nutty. So that goes and then that doesn't need to spend much time at all. Just a couple of minutes and that goes into the bowl. So that's like a little kind of cabbage salad almost. Yeah, yeah. a little of coleslaw. And then the main event, the, the salmon. Yes. Uh, so you glaze that before you cook it. You do. So you want to take your black garlic. It comes like looking like a regular garlic. So you want to pop out five cloves of it and mash them up with a fork. Add to that a little bit of your maple syrup, some soy sauce, some of the rice vinegar. So a lot of the same ingredients are used multiple times, mm. which is quite nice because it means you're not just running about through your cupboards. <laughs> Once yeah. they're out, they're out. And then that gets brushed over your salmon. Grill it for eight minutes and then out of the oven. Add a little bit of water to your dressing to make it a bit looser. And then that goes over the top of your bowl at the end. I mean... You make, I mean, because it's very impressive because it's all these different, you know, things in the bowl. Mm. People would be very impressed. And it makes a lot. Yes, it's made a big, this is supposed to serve too, but I think it would be brilliant for meal prepping if you take lunch to work or something like that. You could do it in a little pot, impress all your colleagues. Oh, yeah, Tupperware. That in Tupperware, I'd be very happy. No, seriously, I could eat that for dinner every day. That would, oh, that would really keep me happy. I really like that. If you're looking for the full receipt, uh, you can go to our Instagram. It's at Virgin Radio UK and you stab away there to, and eventually you'll be led to uh, a recipe. Uh, is it your recipe or is it somebody else's recipe? It is not. It's in the uh, January issue of Waitrose Food. Of course it is. The old magazine. Oh, yieldy <laughs> magazine from the Waitrose. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Martha, is it sweet or savoury tomorrow? It's I another savoury tomorrow. <gasps> Lovely. Mm. I look Look forward to that. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I'll see you Thank tomorrow. You. All right, cheers. Thanks a lot. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Hello. Hello. What, a great big purple pile today. I know. A very colourful weekend of food, this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that? Uh, so this is a vegan beetroot curry today with some toasted coconut on the top. 
Toasted coconut, you say? You had me at toasted. <laughs> um, and now you were so we were chatting while I was here. So this isn't this is quite an easy dish, you think? Yeah, I would say this is pretty straightforward. It is um, beetroot is your main kind of carrier in the curry. That's where everything is <laughs> sticking to. <laughs> um, it's really vibrant. It's really zesty, and it doesn't have any kind of of coconut milk or it's vegan, so no butter, no fat. So it's quite light. Um, it's not like a rich, saucy curry. It's more of a kind of weak night meal kind of curry not not so much your takeaway replacement okay <laughs> so you would say a weeknight meal so it sounds like it's quite quick yeah really quick um, start to finish in less than half an hour um, nice and easy. The hardest thing about it is keeping your clothes clean. <laughs> Can I just say, you've thing. done a very good Why, job. thank you. <laughs> you've done a very, very, very good job. Uh, <laughs> so did you, did you, do you cook the beetroot from scratch or did you buy ready cooked? Nope, so beetroot is raw when it goes in. Um, you kind of treat it like a potato. So if you're making a potato curry, you do the same, but beetroot yeah. is harder to go wrong because it doesn't disintegrate in the same way that a potato or a sweet potato would. Well, it stays... When you, when you say it doesn't disintegrate, <laughs> it takes forever. It, <laughs> like, it will take a while. You're constantly stabbing with a fork and I go, is that done yet? <laughs> so it can be a little al dente. That's the nice thing about beetroot because you can eat it raw, so it doesn't need to be cooked like completely for hours and hours. <laughs> you don't look convinced by that. <laughs> no, I really, I'm not sure I want to bite into a carrot, a carrot like beetroot. Um, I feel I've added I've, I've added years to my life. I've just eaten a very healthy uh, beetroot curry. Delicious it was. Uh, so tell us all about it. So the, the rice, did you cook that rice yourself? Um, I actually didn't cook this good, rice myself. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> it's in a pouch. Tear it, two minutes. I mean, why not? Wild exactly. rice is hard to cook, but it tastes much better, so I've gone for that. <laughs> no, that's very nice. So, so, let's, so the rice to one side. Yes. So that's a pouch, two minutes, boom. Beetroot, you're cooking it. So do you peel it before you put it in the water? No, it actually doesn't need peeling. As long as you give it a good scrub in the sink so it's not got any mud on it, <laughs> then you're all good. <laughs> that would be too healthy. That would be a step too far. <laughs> yeah. mm. <laughs> um, you want to start with the getting some oil. You want to toast your coconut first. Actually, not with oil. So empty pan, dry pan, get your coconut in. It takes about two minutes just to turn to a nice brown colour, then out of the pan. Into your pan, you go oil and then some lovely spices. So there's some mustard seeds, some cumin seeds. Then we go in with um, shallots and ginger and garlic. So you've got all these lovely kind of uplifting <laughs> smells going yeah, on. lovely. Um, and then the beetroot, you just cut it into wedges. So quite thin wedges. It doesn't, you don't want to be cooking this for hours. So you want to make sure each piece is quite small. That goes into the pan, along with some of the beetroot stalks, which I thought was quite unique. I've not seen that in a recipe before kind of yeah. helping prevent food waste. A little bit of beetroot stalks go in there as well. Creates this really beautiful red <laughs> paste. A little bit of water and then lid on um, for 15 minutes-ish. Lid off for a couple of minutes and you're ready to go. And honestly, <laughs> that is a kind of miracle because I, I just thought you couldn't cook beetroot that fast. But and, and but when you put it in your mouth, it just your teeth, I mean, even my old teeth went through that. It was, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it was... It was you didn't lose any teeth. No, it seemed like the right consistency for uh, beetroot. Yeah. yeah, it's a little bit fresher. It's kind of one of those... Kind of, it's not as like a stew, but it's more of a kind of in between a salad and a curry. It's not super soft, but it's got a nice bit of bite to it. And the toasted coconut across the top at the end adds a really nice nuttiness. And then you want to squeeze some lime over at the end as well. Yes, I squeeze the lime. And what are the green... Are they sage or what are the, those? Those are curry leaves. Oh, curry, curry leaves. leaves. So they go in with the spices at the beginning and um, add a really nice freshness. And if you don't use all the ones in your packet, because this is a great recipe actually, because it can be served just for one person. You don't need to make a huge batch curry. If there's just one of you and you want a quick dinner, you can do this in less than half an hour, but you can easily double it up. So if you've not used all your curry leaves, you can freeze them and whack them out 
out some other time. <gasps> Lovely. Very <laughs> nice. Uh, that was really good. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah. And as always, if you'd like the full recipe, you can go to uh, our Instagram page, at Virgin Radio UK. Stab away there and, uh, you know, if luck, if luck and a, fi- you know, uh, a prevailing wind is on your side, you will get to the recipe uh, somehow. Good <laughs> luck, everyone. Good luck. Uh, I'll see you next weekend. See you next week. Lovely. Are we staying, is it more healthy next weekend? Uh, I reckon we'll, we'll manage to throw in a few sugary delights next weekend. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Have a great week, Martha. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. We are about to play the checkout challenge with Waitrose. So, time to meet today's callers. First up, we've got Claire in Buckinghamshire. Hello, Claire. Hi, Graham. You might notice an edge of tension in my voice (laughs) as well. You know, it's going to be worth it. You might win big. You might win big. Uh, What are you up to this Sunday, Claire? Nothing much. Just a lazy day, really. Go on the dog walk later. Very good. I like that you woke up and you thought, you know what? I'm going to play that checkout challenge. I'm going to enter that checkout challenge. So are you, I mean, are you one of those shoppers who does notice the price of everything? Mm, Sometimes. Okay. May not do that well. (laughs) Uh, Let's find out who you're playing against. It's uh, Mark. Hello, Mark. Hello, Graham. Oh, quite well. Oh, very gravelly. (laughs) Um, Where where are you, Mark? I'm in Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Lovely. And uh, what are you up to this Sunday? Well, I'm just about to put roast in, and then I'll take the dog for a walk, and I'll be taking my son back to school. Oh, love it. I like the dogs are getting walked, the things are getting roasted. It's all good. All is right with the world. Uh, okay, so here's how it play. Here it goes. Basically, I list items from Waitrose's great January savings event, and I'll put them through the checkout. All you need to do is you need to be tallying in your head how much each item costs, and basically, you you know, you clock that up. And when you think... I've reached very close to £20, or as close to £20 as you can bear, uh, then you shout your name, okay? When you shout your name, uh, then that's you locked in. The other player can keep going for one more, two more, as many more as they want until they think they're at 20. We then find out who's closest, and whoever's closest wins (laughs) the Graham Norton with Waitrose gift box. Oh, there's more rules than uh, Ant and Dex Limitless win. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, here we go. Good luck, Claire. Good luck, Mark. All Thank right. You. Here we go. Uh, Waitrose chicken tikka and rice. Waitrose garlic coriander naan. Waitrose Dutchy organic six British free-range sausages. Mm, free-range sausages. Essential Waitrose strawberry trifle, 600 grams if you're interested. Waitrose New York cheesecake with salted caramel. Quite the January diet. Hellman's Real Mayonnaise, 600 grams. Go on, pile it in, love. McVitie's Milk Chocolate Digestive Biscuits. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Where are we? Listerine Total Care Mouthwash. You'll need it. Innocent Recharge Super Smoothie, 750 milliliters. Cauldron Falafel, four pack. Claire. Oh, okay. That's Claire. Uh, she's in now. Uh, and we keep going for Mark. Heinz baked beans, 200 grams, three pack. Mark. Okay. All right. So uh, they're going, they're, go- they're just doing it in the, in the little uh, thing there now. We're just totting up to see who's closest. And I can reveal that the winner of the Graham Norton with Waitrose gift box is... 
Clare in Buckinghamshire. Oh. Hard, hard luck, Mark. Hard luck, Mark. Uh, Claire got closest. She was at 21-21 and Mark was at 22-44. Uh, congratulations. Thank you for playing, Mark. Uh, Claire, since you you win the gift box, you can also do a shout-out to someone if you'd, if you'd like to. Oh, thank you. I'd like to say hello to my husband, Kerry, and our lovely dog, Maya. My two daughters, Carly and Nicola, uh, Carly and Julia, and their partners, Nicola and Michael, and my three grandchildren, Jacob, Luke, and Zach. There we are. <laughs> I thought for a minute you didn't remember their names, but no, well no, done. I didn't nearly. <laughs> <laughs> this is the excitement. It's the excitement oh, of the gift box. It is, it is. Just tell them that. <laughs> well, everyone will be coming around to your, uh, your place, Claire. Uh, thank you very much to Mark and Claire for playing the Checkout Challenge. We might be playing it again next week. I think we might. Yes, well done, you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can hear a new episode of the best of bits from the show from Monday morning. Speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.